How are we all doing out there? It is one of my favorite days of the year. It's the Super Bowl. I know some of y'all don't celebrate it, but I do celebrate the Super Bowl. So I got myself an award here for the best dressed fan. And uh, I'm looking around the room, seeing Cowboys fans. I see people waving at me without jerseys on. But I'm pretty sure that Andrew wins the award this year because he's got the stripes on his face. That, I mean, that's going like... And his Charger team never wins anything. So that is from us. And by the way, by the way, this man is working with the kids today. So we pulled him in and we said, you win the best dressed fan because of all those reasons and you're with the kids. We appreciate you. Thank you for the help. Give that man a hand. All right. People ask me, I got my Bronco socks in again. They're not lucky. Denver is not, they're not lucky. So now I am publicly picking the Kansas City Chiefs. Every time I pick the team, they lose. So we are going with the Chiefs today, Linda. <laughs> All right. I, I had a great time in Washington, D.C. all week, and I'll be sharing with you about that a little bit with the Family Research Council. Really just some remarkable things took place. Uh, but the big thing I wanted to highlight is about our PAC 100 initiative. Now, I, I am waiting for clearance with the Pakistani government to go. Um, and so just pray that that visa process runs smoothly. I, I did have to make some changes in the plans. The trip is going to run a little longer than we thought. And it's primarily because uh, the guy I'm going with, Chris Michelson, if you remember him, he asked if I would help teach for some of the pastors that were there and then uh, also on Sunday morning out there. So uh, it's, it's running uh, longer than we thought. And then the other thing is flights out of Billings are really hard to get. It just, it's just challenging. So um, I'll have to be gone longer than I thought. But I, I just I love missions. And the Lord is moving across the world in incredible ways. And this is just one way that you and I in our own little way, can help fulfill the Great Commission because the fields are ripe for harvest in places like Pakistan. People are coming to the Lord in droves, and God cares as much about people in Pakistan as he does about you. Did you know that? Yes. So just pray with us. We're, we're, we're trying to fundraise about $50,000 for that. We, we've got about 40000 45000 right now. So we're praying and believing God to, to finish that off. That's something that I'm personally believing God for, be the largest gift that we've ever sown as a ministry, and I'm just grateful to be able to do that. So if you have your Bibles, we're in the book of James. James chapter 2, and I'm in a series called Ties That Bind. Uh, by the way, it is Valentine's Day this week, as you know. We had a great uh, church date night the other night. We were at the Ribbon Shop House. I want to thank Linda for organizing that and for helping with the Best Dress Fan stuff. So super grateful, super fun. Uh, and I guess that means, since it's Valentine's Day and love is in the air, that I, I get to teach on one of my favorite topics, which has to do with the love of God. Man, I, this is a topic that grabs my heart. And I want to read here uh, James chapter 2, verse 8. We'll read this verse and pray. He said, If you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I pray that we would do well. I pray that we would be a group of people who love God and know how to walk in His ways. Lord, I pray that the love of the Lord would just stir up in hearts and minds, well up within us, and that we'd know how to express it to one another. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. I, I, uh, I don't like the month of February except for the Super Bowl and maybe the Winter Olympics. When it's February, I think about summer. And when I think about summer, I think about some of the glorious camping trips I've taken my children on. You know, the thing about camping with children is that they get bored quickly. You have to keep them busy. And so I bought a hammock. 
And that hammock turned into let's push dad in the hammock. So a couple of them got in there. A couple of them were pushing me. And you know what happened? I fell right to the ground. Smack. And evidently, I didn't tie the knot well. If, if you want someone to tie a knot, you've got to get my friend Brian Francis. He's a fireman and an Eagle Scout. He can tie a knot. Well, I had to go back. I had to tie that knot. It, and it became a love knot. Like, that knot was not going anywhere. I, I held it together. The kids swung around the rest of the camping trip. We were fine. It was challenging to get it undone, but we, we took care of it. And, you know, the, the knots of love is really like that. Relationship are bound together they're like relationships that, that hold things together. Love is really like that relational knot that binds you together. That's what the scripture says. So when I read this verse, James chapter 2, he said, if you fulfill the royal law of love, loving your neighbor, he said, you do well. And what this tells me is that love is the basis for all human relationships. It, love is, is this currency, this, this tie that binds together. It, love, love is an affection. It, it's sort of this uh, affection in the way that you are connected together. And here it's called the royal law of love. It's the, the golden rule. That's what Jesus said. And, 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 you know, Romans 13 says we should owe no one anything except to love them. I mean, that, that is the essence of what Scripture teaches in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's knowing how to love people. And, you know, I suppose there is a love that is without limits. I mean, Jesus demonstrated that when he washed the feet of smelly fishermen. I mean, he's loving on them, he's blessing them, and, and yet there's also levels to God's love. I mean, it's revealed in the original language of the scripture. You've got the agape love of God, his deep love for people, the phileo love of God, his, his brotherly love that we have and extend towards one another. And, and I suppose if there's levels to God's love, it means that we would know how to love people differently in different situations. So, you know, you've got different relationships that require different applications of love. You know, whether it's, you know, strangers that you meet. You, you meet strangers on airplanes. And I guess the way you could demonstrate love for them is sometimes you've got to let them, you know, get ahead of you if they're in a hurry. We were on the tarmac in D.C., and we were delayed... And they told us there was a delay because there was a VIP plane trying to take off ahead of us. And the guy next to me, his brain about exploded because he was trying to get to the uh, bachelor party with his brother-in-law, and, and we were already delayed. So I got out of the way. I said, all right, you can get ahead of me. You know, you, you got love that's with, with uh, some acquaintances that you have, people that you know in, in passing and friends of friends. And, and, and then you've got, you know, friends that you know and love and those are people that you, you know, should know how to serve and, and, and bless. And when the time comes to help them move on a Saturday morning. And, you know, and then you've got your intimate friends, your family members who really know you. And they can tell you know, if it's real, if the love in your life is real. They watch it. They see it. They see if you're sincere about it. There, there's different ways that love is applied. Now, when I read this verse in James, it, it directly quotes the Old Testament, Leviticus 19, verse 18, they called it the royal law of love, the golden rule. And this is the basis, really the Old Testament is the basis for the New Testament. It, it's what, it's what you know, gives us these ideas. So I felt today to go back to the book of Deuteronomy. I want to have you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 10 with me. And I want to just kind of highlight what I call uh, some of the links of a love knot. And what these are is like the links of a chain that connects you together. And here in Deuteronomy 10, I just want to highlight what I would call some ties that bind 
And, you know, our church is really great at this. I think we've got a really loving church. People come here, they tell us that we're friendly, and there's a lot of love in this house. And, and I'd love to see that just continue to grow and increase. What would happen if we all just knew how to love one another? I mean, if you could learn how to love people, you could reach them and do great things. That's where the gifts of the Spirit take place. That's how the fruit of the Spirit operates. I mean, it really is such a powerful thought. So here in Deuteronomy chapter 10, I want to look at verse 12. He said, and now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord, I mean, you, you, you respect and honor him, walk in his ways and to love him and serve him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. He said that you should keep the commandment of the Lord and his statutes, which I commanded you today for your good. Say that with me. For your good. That is such a great verse. It just jumped off the page to me. Here's what it tells me. The first link in this love knot is that loving God is the secret to a wonderful life. Loving God is what sets you up for good things. This is like the master key that unlocks so much blessing in your life. I mean, I think about what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor have entered the heart of a man things God has prepared for those that love him. If you love God, he's got some great things prepared for you. I like what he said in Romans 8. All things work together for good to those that love God. Man, there's something about loving him that allows us to experience his goodness and his blessing. And here in Deuteronomy 10, we're in this passage of Scripture which is known as the essence of the law. That's, that's what it says here. It's, it's the, the primary point of it. It's the great commandment that Jesus talked about, that you should love the Lord your God with every fiber of your being, Amen. everything that's in you of God. You know, I remember when I was rededicating my life, I had been a rebellious teenage boy, and I got set free, man. God delivered me. I used to wake up in the morning, and I would just hit it praying. I, I locked myself away from all my friends. I got up one morning, 6 o'clock, I was praying in tongues, in the room, just celebrating the Lord, and the thought hit me. I'm obsessed with God. You know that? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I just, I was like, man, I, I, I was after him. And you know what's crazy is the longer that I've served him, the more I love him. It, it, he means more to me now than he's ever meant. There, there's a deeper, it's like being married. There's a deeper, wonderful relationship with God, something that's rich that, that can keep me from sin, that can keep me out of trouble. And, and that's part of loving him. I, I love him. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. His commandments are not a burden. They're a blessing. That means that if you love God, you'll put them first. Like, like with your decisions, with your priorities, the people you're hanging out with, with your finances, he, he's the first thing. It means you know how to honor him. It, it means that you'll flee temptation when it comes. It means that you want to live a life of purity before the Lord because you know that he can see everything. And I love what the Bible says, that in keeping the commandments, there's great reward. The blessing of God is directly tied 
to you just being obedient to what he's asked you to do. And it is just this key of like, I love God. I love him. And if you love him, he'll bless you. Look what it says in verse 14. He said, the heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord. And also the earth and all that's in it. You know what the Lord is saying right here? Is that he's in complete control over the heavens and over this earth. And all he's saying is he knows how to bless you beyond measure. He has the ability to bless you beyond what you can ask or think. I remember when we were shopping for a home, and I would drive by the neighborhood area I live in, and I would just say, Lord, I want to live over here. Man, if I could live in this area of town, I would just feel so blessed. And I remember it felt so elusive to Elizabeth and I were first married. I'd drive around, and I didn't know if I'd ever get in there. And one day the Lord opened that house you know, for us to live there. And, and I was just so thankful for that. I remember I was walking around the park system behind my house on a fall day, and it was sunshiny, and I just felt God's hand on my life, and that he was going to bless my future. And, and I'm, I've just experienced that. I've got little children who love to you know, cover me with their sticky fingers when I come home from trips and kiss me and throw footballs at me when I'm not looking. And you know, I just, I, I'm so blessed to have that. I'm blessed, you know, to have a church like this. Man, I love you all. I think about this building paid off so we can make an impact in the nations of the world. I mean, it's, it's God's blessing. I, I get super grateful about that. I mean, and, and by the way, having traveled now to D.C. and places like that, I'm grateful to live in Montana. That's God's blessing. All these people wish they lived in Montana when I meet them. Trust me. I want to go to Montana. That's what they say. I say, you can visit, but don't, don't move here. Oh, man. I like 1 Timothy chapter 6. He's given us richly all things to enjoy. And there's something about loving God and honoring Him and following Him that releases the blessing of God in your life. I love God. It's the secret to a wonderful life. Now, let me, let me connect this chain. Let me give you another link in the love knot here. Look at verse number 15. He said, The Lord delighted only in your fathers. He's speaking to Israel. He said to love them. And he chose their descendants after them. By the way, that's the, the children of Abraham. And as I read the New Testament, you and I are the descendants of Abraham through faith in Jesus. So he's talking to Israel. He's talking to you and me. And he said he, he wants to, uh, to love you and choose you above all peoples as it is to this day. Now, let me give you a second thought right here. The second point I want to make is that we love God because... He first loved me. He loves you. Listen, man, this is the heart of the matter. That God initiated his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God is the one who initiated and remembered that covenant and brought them out of Egypt. He's the God who initiated redemption at the cross through Jesus and the moment Adam sinned in the garden. He had a plan in place to redeem us because he first loved us. It's really at the heart of the matter, but it's also sort of hidden. It's like a, a, it's central, but it's a secondary thought. You know, we love God, and it tells us it's because He chose us. It's because He loves you. Now, on a theological prism, I would have to say that the thing that is so mysterious about God is the fact that He loves you so much. I mean, it is quite a mysterious thing, isn't it? He loves you. And theologians for centuries have been trying to wrap their minds around it. 
The thing about God's love is it's a personal thing. He loves you personally. He loves you dearly. He knows the hairs of your head. He cares about you. The Bible says he thinks thoughts of you that cannot be numbered. I mean, he, he loves us. And a lot of times, I don't fully grasp or fathom just how much he loves me, how personal that love is in my own life. And when, sometimes when I'm struggling with depression or a problem, I just start thinking about how much God loves me. And to be honest with you, sometimes I have to work at it because it's not an easy thing to grasp. Yeah. But I'm telling you, it provides a sense of peace, confidence, reassurance in my life that helps me. I remember I was with a friend of mine, my realtor, and, and he came over to my kids and they, they were talking to him and he said, you know, God loves you so much. You're of infinite value and worth in the eyes of the Lord. Yeah. And that just, I just never forgot that. Infinite value and worth. That's what God thinks. His thoughts are high and he thinks of you. Yeah. So the love of God is personal. The love of God is perfect. Th- think about the, the 16th verse here. It's perfect. It softens the heart. He, he said, uh, circumcise the foreskin of your heart. That means cut away. And, and, and don't be stiff-necked any longer. His love is so alluring and so perfect, it'll soften you. You know, one of the great opportunities I've had in traveling was when I went to Nepal. Dude, in Nepal, they are exploding. It, ten years ago, I think Nepal was like 1% Christian. In ten years... It's like 10% of the country. It's the fastest growing religion. And they are, on, they are hungry for the Lord. And I met the most incredible man. His name was Benud. He's a pastor there. He's got a Bible school. We've actually helped support and build that, that church that's there with him. I mean, Benud, he told me the most amazing testimony. Benud was the national Nepalese jiu-jitsu champion. His parents were well off. They put him in school. He beat everybody. He won it three years in a row. He was so good at it that the Chinese communists kidnapped him because they wanted him to teach in the military of China the jiu-jitsu tricks he learned because Nepali's jiu-jitsu is the top notch. Tough guy. Now, he's there for three years, hated it with the communists, and one day he got smuggled back into Nepal. He learned some secrets about smuggling, and from that point on, even though his parents were well off and had a business, he found more money in smuggling. So he would smuggle drugs, people, anything, back and forth between India and Nepal, which is a big deal. He'd get him across the border. He knew how to do it. He had a business doing jiu-jitsu training and smuggling. And one day, out on the streets, a man approached him and told him about Jesus. And it made Benud mad. He's a tough dude. He's only about 5'8", but he could whoop up on you. All right, I don't care who you are. He's like, whatever. He told me, that later, the next week, that same man joined his gym. And he was mad at him. So he said, all right, I'll give you lessons. And he said, I beat that dude up every day. I mean, I didn't just be, I worked him, man. He was like, I gave him the best whooping he'd ever had. But the man came back every day. He'd come back beating up, and every day he'd tell him about Jesus. Now, Benud, he, 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 listen, he, this is not a, a guy that's friendly at the time. He said, I'm sick of hearing him. I'm going to kill him. That's what he said. I'm going to kill him. So he began to stake out, how am I going to do this? He found out that the man had a routine. He was watching what he was doing every day. and He had some buddies spying on him. They knew exactly where he'd be on what day. He was going to slash his throat behind the market. I've been there. He said, 
The day he went to kill the man, the strangest thing happened. There was cops everywhere. Cops at the hotel. Cops at the market. Cops on the street corner. More cops he'd ever seen in his life. He started thinking, something's up here, man, because I've, I didn't even know we had this many cops around here. He couldn't, he couldn't get near the man. There's cops everywhere. So he said, the next day in jiu-jitsu class, he said, all right, tell me about Jesus. You know what he said? He said, softened his heart. So he said, I'm going to accept Jesus. Now, well, in Nepal, when you, you know, transition from Buddhism to serving the Lord, you lose your inheritance. He told his mom and dad, and they said, you're done with our business. So he went from having a great life. He, he felt convicted of smuggling drugs. He felt, I can't do that anymore. He gets poor and poor, and he finds himself a few weeks later couch surfing with his buddies. He didn't have anywhere to go. He said he dreamed on the couch late one night alone. He was falling, falling in darkness. He's falling until a man in white grabbed him and said, Benud, I love you, and I want you to preach my gospel. And he got himself into India into Bible school, started a church. And I'm just telling you that God can melt the hardest hearts. He can take stiff-necked people, and his love will draw you. It is alluring. His love is powerful. Look at verse number 17. It says, The Lord your God is the God of gods, the Lord of lords, a great God, mighty and awesome. And he's talking about his greatness being connected to his love. It's what makes him great. Ephesians 2 and verse 4 says, His great love is what delivered you from sin. A great love of God. I mean, it's powerful to deliver you. That love is so much. He loves you that much. It's powerful. It's perfect. And listen, God loves people. It, it, it continues here. In verse 17, he, he takes no partiality. He, he doesn't take a bribe. In other words, God loves people. Every tribe, nation, and tongue. He's impartial. He's not a respecter of persons. And he loves people in Nepal. And he loves people in Pakistan as much as he loves you. He loves people, cares about, knows the hairs of your head. He's got a great love for people. And by the way, he loves the Jewish people. He said in that, in that 16th verse, I chose you alone. The first nation that God ever chose and dealt with is Israel. There's never been a nation that God has dealt with like that. They're an object lesson in the sovereignty of God, in his love. And we're living in a moment now with the rebirth of Israel where you're, they're the central piece of his time clock and he's about to demonstrate his love for the whole world through the nation of Israel. You're about to see the stage being set. God loves the Jewish people. I was in the Holocaust Museum in D.C. There's never been a people group more persecuted than them. You know who else God loves? God loves America. You think... Man, we've slid as a nation. We've gone so far into sin. We, we've got ungodliness in the land. Man, I was in the you know, federal, or I was with the Family Research Council, Washington, D.C., last week. They did not paint a good picture. I mean, they, they said they felt like that they have done more in 15 years and gotten further back because it just feels like there's this push of ungodliness in the culture. It's pervasive. It's, you know, they're, they're, they're... So I remember that morning, I went out to the National Mall and, you know, it was beautiful. It was a great day in February, and the sun was out. There was no one there because it was early Monday morning. And I did a little prayer walk, and I was praying, I'm praying. And I went to the Washington Monument, looked up at it, and I was making my way to the World War II. Museum. It's, a, it's a World War II memorial there, and, and you could see the, the Lincoln 
the memorial, and, and I thought, I'm going I'm to veer over here and just kind of take my time. And I came across a prayer that was prayed by Franklin Delano Roosevelt and D-Day. And it, this described me. It's a prayer for the nation. And you know what's amazing when you go to D.C.? It's like a spiritual heritage tour. Everywhere you go, they got spots where godly men and women stop to pray for America. I mean, in the Capitol building where we're at, on the walls and on the ceiling, they got scriptures. They got people who prayed. And I'm telling you, it gave me hope for America, that God loves America, and you can never think that we've gone so far that God can't turn the land back. Woo, I'm telling you, you better get stirred up about it, because you're about to see one of the great moves of God. He's, he's mighty that he cannot, that he, oh, he's mighty. His arm is not short that he cannot save. He's a great God, a mighty God, who loves you. He loves America, I'm telling you. Don't think it's gone too far. All we got to do is press and He loves when his people pray and honor God. And there's more than seven righteous people in the land. You know that? Millions and millions of people. I mean, I meet him at the hotels. I meet him everywhere. They told me that there's more serious Christians in Congress than there actually ever have been. Gives me hope for the land. So we're in a battle. You got to know how to pray. And believe that God knows how to turn situations around. He takes dead things and he brings them back to life. Isn't that right? He can take a dry, dead, weary land full of sin and resurrect it. That's what God does in history. In fact, I went to the Bible, or the Museum of the Bible. I'm watching old George Whitfield exhibitions. They said, America's too far gone in 1735. They said, there's no way that we'll ever be able to have a thriving Christian nation, all right? This is what God does in history. Yeah, listen, man, he loves America. He loves the Jewish people. He loves you. Now, let me tie this chain back together. A third thought as I'm reading through this. Look at verse number 18. That God administers justice to the fatherless. He loves the widow. He loves the stranger. He gives them food and clothing. Therefore, love the stranger. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Now, I'm tying this together here. Here's my third point. Because he loves me, I can love my neighbor. Because God loves me. I mean, I'm talking real simple. This is what the Bible teaches. He loves me, and because of that, I can love my neighbor. You know, love is a fruit. It's evidence of your salvation. It's evidence that God is at work. It's the first thing that he said about the fruit of the Spirit. He said that love is the thing that becomes primary when you see it in activation in a person. He loves us. And, and we who are partakers of the divine nature should love one another. And when you got born again, he put a measure of love in you. Romans 5, verse 5. The love of God's been shed abroad in your heart. He put it there so you can love somebody else. I always amuse people pray that love would be in our... No, it's there when you got saved. When you accept Jesus, that love comes into your heart. You just got to activate yeah, so loving people, I mean, that sounds magnificent, doesn't it? I mean, I mean, it's so simple and so wonderful to think about loving people. But you know what the problem is? People are the problem. Because they are knuckleheads, and they're hard-hearted. They like football teams you don't like. I won't mention them. I'm just saying, pe- pe- it's great. Like, it's easy to love people. It's not so easy to love people. I, got, I was, I was uh, thinking about my children there in, in D.C. I'm at the Smithsonian, and I was trying to figure out, should I buy my children something? 
And I went over and I found, you know, I was looking for something. I know Titus likes Legos. And I really couldn't find anything, you know, for the girls. I found little Mickey Mouse, like, playing Lego sets. Lydia, my daughter, said she kind of would like some Legos. And I went back and forth three or four times. Should I buy that for him? No, no, no. And then I'd go, oh, I want to. I love my kids. And so so I, I bought it. I come back. And I told, that's the first thing they asked. It's good to see you, Dad. Did you get us a toy? I said, I did. Oh, they were fired up. They were so excited. I mean, I'm so excited. Here's, here's the toys. And the two little girls were like, Legos? Mickey Mouse? Mickey Mouse Legos. And they cried. And I thought, you spoiled little kids. See, it's not easy to love people. It's easy to love them. And then you think, and I haven't even hit teenage stage yet, right? So we will just... Man, I hope Jesus comes before then. <laughs> I'm, and all the people who had shit, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Easy to love people, not so easy to love me. You know, I mean, it's easy to love your wife, man. I mean, I, Elizabeth's been so good to me. And we, I watch football. I'm sorry, it's just something I do. She moved here from Canada. Remember that? Yeah. And, and so she was like, how long does football season last? I was like, about 20 more weeks. I remember she cried. <laughs> but, you know, she, she learned to love football. I mean... A marriage is like, she, I mean, she, she, it's a marriage. She, she found a hobby with me. She worked with me. And, yeah. and I never forget the Super Bowl. The Broncos were playing in it. And she went and I got the other team's jersey. Yeah. See, it's, it's easy to love people. You love, it's hard to love your spouse, isn't it? Now she's got a Bronco shirt on because she's a submitted wife. She listened last week to the sermon. <laughs> loving people's, loving your friends is easy. I mean, I think about my, my family, these kids, they got cousins everywhere. I love them. We run around, we play, it's, it's fun to watch them. And, but I love my brother-in-laws, man. They have been so good to me. And I, on more than one occasion, I have told them, do you know, so-and-so told me that this is an issue in my life and I should fix that. And they said, yeah, we told you that like a year ago. <laughs> so it's easy to love family members. It's not so easy to love family members. You've had that happen, haven't you? Someone has told you, oh, yeah, I know, you already said that. Yeah, loving people, man. It, it's a challenge. He, he said, I want you to love the stranger by giving him food and clothing. You know, uh, it's easy to love people w- when they're in need. Now, on, on Wednesday morning, I, I'm hiking out of the hotel. I've got a couple hours. I'm going to hike down to the Smithsonian. I'm about a block from the uh, a hotel there. And I hear, hey, can you buy me a sandwich? And I look, and it's a lady, and, and the guy's like, nope. He turns around like that. And she looks right at me. Hey, can you buy me a sandwich? I was like, well, it's 9 in the morning. I mean, is any sandwich places open? She's like, there's a Subway right there. I said, all right, we'll go buy. And, it, you know, a $9 six-inch sandwich in Washington, D.C. You know, I mean, I was like, that's an expensive Subway sandwich. I said, yeah, we'll, we'll go in there. I, I got her. She wanted chicken and garlic, which I thought was a strange combination. So she gets the food, and she turns around halfway. Through. I said, hey, I paid for that sandwich, and now I get to pray with you. And she put her hands up. She said, go for it. (laughs) So we prayed with her. I mean, it's easy to love strangers. Now, I have been to other cities like Seattle. I remember walking around the corner. As soon as I get around the corner, I'm accosted by a big burly man with chains and a shoebox sticking it right in my face. Give me some money. And I thought, if I had a baton, I'd slap you upside the head. No, I'm not giving you. Come on, man. I mean, it can be hard to love strangers, right? I, I love blessing that lady. I mean, she's precious. Uh, strangers are, are like the people, you know, in, in, as I said, in, in airplanes. And you don't know them, but if you could just demonstrate love, it's a witness. Now, the last time I flew internationally to India, United changed my flight. 
at, at the last minute, and I had to get to San Francisco. I ran across the airport. I barely made it. I was the last guy on the plane. If I don't miss that connect, connection, I, I, I'm not going. I mean, I had to get on there. I ran. I'm just so relieved. I sit down. I'm like, oh, thank the Lord I made it. And I'm about an hour into the flight, and I, I kind of get a nudging from a lady who can't speak English. I couldn't figure out what she wanted. Her husband came over to me. He said, this is my wife. Can we switch seats so I can sit with her? And I had just upgraded because it turned out to be a 16-hour flight over the North Pole, and I got an aisle spot. And he was sitting by the window. And I was like, you joking. I'm not switching. I heard the Lord. He said to me, he said, what would you want done for your wife? And I was like, oh, man. So I said, give me, give me a little bit here to eat my food, and, you know, get situated, I'll switch in. So he switched seats. I took a bunch of sleeping pills and woke up somewhere over Siberia. Still had like six hours to fly. At the end of the flight, you know, we're getting everything ready, and I got my backpack on, I'm getting stuff out. The guy walks over, and he reaches his hand. He said, thank you so much. And I reached out my left hand. I said, yeah, man, no problem. And he said, oh, he shook back. He said, in India, we only shake with the right hand. And for you uncultured people that know, it's because they wipe with the left hand. It's hard to love strangers. Uh, I don't mind giving them a seat, but I was like, really? Welcome to, I said, you know, I've never had that in my life. I wash my hands. I'm just telling you, that's how you get with people. They're easy to love. They're not so easy to love. You know that the love of God is such an easy thing. It's free. Amen. All you got to do is receive it. Amen. It's right there for you. Amen. And it just nothing you can do to earn it. He gives it to you. But the love of God is also not so easy because it's free. And there's nothing you can do about it. And prideful people feel like they got to earn it. Amen. So you... You end up almost like, you know, kind of getting stiff about it because you think you got to do something to earn his love when it's free. Now, I did get stuck in DC or in DFW on the way back. They canceled my flight. I'm stuck there. And fortunately, I have my Uncle Rick who lives in Dallas. So I spent the night over there at their house. He used to live with them. And I said, Rick, Rick's retired now. He's like 72 years old. I said, What are you doing in retirement? How do you like it? He said, Well, I'm leading the youth group. I'm part working with them. He said, I'm on the board of a choir, inner city choir group. We travel around singing. And he said, I'm volunteering my time at the homeless shelter. I said, what's that like? He said, you know, it's, it's really challenged me. It's an interesting demographic. He said, you know, mental health issues. He said, you don't have, you know, money issues, addiction. But he said, the biggest challenge I'm faced with is it's filled with prideful people who can't figure out why they can't keep jobs and are always getting fired. It's because they've got bad attitudes. He said, it's pride. You feel like you got to earn something. And that's where people live when it comes to God's love. It's what makes it hard because you think you got to earn it. you got to work for it. And the simplest, the mystery, the beauty of it is it's free. He loves you. You can't do anything about it other than receive his love in your life. He's a jealous God. What that means is he's jealous for your love. He's jealous for you to serve him because he knows if he can get a hold of your heart, you can be a blessing and a witness to, to, on his behalf to somebody else. That's what he wants. I mean, the love of God is so easy. He, Jesus said it's a yoke, that my yoke is easy, my burden is light. That's what he said. It's an easy yoke. It, 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 and yet, that, 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 that yoke is a hard, it's hard enough that it's not like my hammock that got broke. 
All right, it, it, it's not going to fall apart. It, it's, it's tied tightly. And I, I don't know this morning in, in your life, when it comes to the love of God, where you're at with it. I mean, do, do you love God with everything on the inside? Do you really love him? Yeah, I meet people who say they love God, but it's like they come to church Christmas and Easter. It makes me wonder. They play church. God gets a lot of people like that. Are, are you obedient to him? If he nudges you, do you listen to him? Are you willing to make sacrifices because he's nudged you? Do you, do you love him enough to go the extra mile to, to lay down your life? I mean, that, that's... But, and, and by the way, when you do that, you experience his hand, his love. I mean, he does it for your good. Mm-hmm. Do you... Do you uh, here, here's where the rubber meets the road. Do you believe that he loves you? That, that, that's, that is such a challenge for people, to really actively believe that God loves me. And I, I'm telling you, I've had many times where I, I have to check in with myself and figure out, do I really believe that? Because I might know it up here. doesn't mean I always feel it. But when I dwell on how much he loves me, when I dwell on that great love for me, when I think about how God infinitely cares about me, I'm of value and worth, it's like it gives me security. It gives me a sense of confidence. It gives me the strength to persevere and endure in difficult moments. I'm telling you that his love is such a strong thing. His love is the strongest death. Think of that's a verse in the Bible. Now, it's the Super Bowl today, and uh, one of my favorite uh, Super Bowl stories was a guy named Ray Lewis. He says he's a Christian. And it was the Super Bowl uh, between the Niners and Baltimore. I remember it because we watched it at Paul Blady's house, and uh, the power went out. You remember that game? The power was out. And so Ray Lewis, you know, he thought he was going to lose the game. He ended up winning the game, and they asked him, afterward what gave him the strength to endure he said it's because we love each other we believe we love each other and i thought man what a what a picture of like what it takes to succeed man if you know god loves you you'll get through things you'll find answers he 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 puts it in your heart to do that but it's a challenge you just have to receive it yeah well do you love people do you love the knuckleheads do you love the stranger I find it's easier to judge people than it is to love them. And I would say that I've often joked about that I don't have a mercy gift. I have a brother-in-law who has a mercy gift. He gets sloppy, loves people, makes excuses for them. Not me. (laughs) But you know, God works in my heart. And when I get near God, that gift comes up. You you get around God and you'll start loving people because you can't help it. It's It's his nature. And maybe you can relate with me. Or maybe you, you know, you find it easy. I don't know. I'm just saying you get around him. You'll love people. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I just thank you for the love of God. Easy and alluring and powerful and profound. Lord, give us a deeper, greater love than we've ever had for you before. God, stir us up from deep down within in the very fibers of our being. Mm, Lord, I pray you make it real. I pray, Lord, as people even sleeping tonight, when they're in alone moments, when they feel weak, when they feel like they're struggling, when, when, when they don't know which way to turn, I pray that that love of God would be something realized and known on the inside so that they will be able to extend kindness to a stranger, to a widow, 
to an orphan, to somebody in need. Lord, I just thank you for your great love. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the great verse of the Bible, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He loves you. And maybe this morning you don't know how much he loves you. Maybe you've never experienced the love of God from a Savior who cares about you. I'm telling you, he loves you. Paid a price for your soul. And he, his love was so great, he went to the ultimate extent to, to lay his life down so that he could be a covering for your sin, make atonement for you. It was love that did that. Love is what drove him to the cross. And, and you know, if, if you've never received him, if you're not right with him, I'd like you to just put a, your head down. I want to pray with you. You receive Jesus, his covering for sin, his all-sufficient sacrifice, that he loved you enough to pay a price for your soul. Just put a hand up and I'll pray with you. Receive that love in your heart. Yeah, I see that hand. I see that hand. And I just pray after me. Say, I receive you in my heart, Lord Jesus. I receive the love that you have for me. And I pray that you would transform me from the inside out. I receive the forgiveness of sin. And I receive the love of God. In Jesus' name. And if you prayed that and are sincere, I'm telling you, he loves you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to know you. He cares about you deeply. I'd like to meet you after the service. Will you stand up and pray with me this morning? Man, I just feel the Holy Spirit. Let's just take a moment. Let's just lift up our hands and let's receive God's love. He loves you in spite of you. Did you know that? He loves you in spite of the stupid stuff you might have said to your wife on the car on the way over here. I, I took a separate car in case you think it was me. He, he loves you with everything he's got, man. And all you can do is just say, Lord, I thank you for I receive you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Boy, I feel it. I feel it. And, you know, I also just feel like laying hands on some people. I, I want to just, if you want prayer, I just get a line up here. I'll, I'll just lay hands on you. I, I just feel God's grace, his love for you. I don't know what things you're struggling with, what you're going through. God loves you. If you need prayer, I, I want to open the altars up and pray with you. I want to thank you for coming out to church this morning. We love you so much, man. God's got great things ahead for you. And we will catch you all this next week. Don't forget, we got stuff going on Tuesday morning, Wednesday night. We'll be here. So I love you all. Catch you next week. Come down if you want prayer. Amen.